Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, so good to see you. And uh, I want to take some time this morning and celebrate uh, some children in the room. Uh, child dedication, I know uh, maybe even some of you are here for the first time supporting some of these kids. And so um, I want to talk a little bit more about what this means. But while I'm, I want to start out right at the beginning, let's just get these people in place. So uh, what we're going to do at Conduit is we're going to have two days, two weekends a year where we celebrate child dedication. And so obviously uh, there's somewhere we're going with this. A lot of times you'll see like one child come up here and be dedicated. Uh, today you're actually going to see uh, nine of them dedicated. And, and we're doing it a little bit in a, in a more strategic way on purpose so that it involves you, us, as a family at church. Now this morning, it's one big family. Um, and for the most part, you look like one big happy family. Uh, but as I read through these names, the, the, the names of, of these, these kids, these, these children that are being dedicated this morning, actually correlates really well with the names of the 12 uh, leaders of the tribes of Israel, um, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But I just want you to know, right off the bat, Names are important. These, these kids are important. These families are important. Um, so I'm going to actually invite, I'm going to read off these names, uh, these families, and they're going to uh, take a spot here in the middle from the front to the back, and then I'll explain to the church here, uh, the rest of us, um, and the family that have come to support them uh, where you come in. But uh, we're going to invite to the middle... Uh, Lindsay Stables, Stables and Andrew, uh, John and Sabrina Scott with Natalie and Sadie, uh, Ryan and Danielle O'Connor with Liam, Bobby and Jess McKeever with Jack, <laughs> is Jack sleeping? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> man down. Adam Young and Kirsty Serena with Malachi. Uh, Billy and Shelby Mitchell with Mercedes and William. Uh, Brandon and Rachel Irish with Juliet. Lindsay Renzel with Weston. And Katie Clark and Trevor Delahoy with Lydia. So, in a moment, I'm going to invite everybody in this room to join as one. Uh, what we like to do here, just so you're not weirded out, like, I don't want you to feel strange, this is really a practical thing that we do here. Uh, there's power in prayer, amen? amen? We're not just talking to the air, we're not just like throwing it out there so we feel better or some weird ritual. We're actually talking to Almighty God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus has tore the veil for us to access a holy God. Praise Jesus, right? So what prayer does is it's a conversation between us and God. How crazy is that? So there's all these things that he wants us to talk to him about, but specifically in this day, it's a, it's a vow, it's a declaration of what we believe for specifically these children. 
Now maybe you've been a part of a child dedication before, or perhaps a child baptism. A lot of times a, a child baptism is, is calling out um, and, and signifying of washing away uh, of sins of that child. In particular here at Conduit, for us, this isn't so much as significant of a day for the child, although it totally is, but it's an even more significant day for mom and dad or for the family that is represented here today. And so you need to know that this prayer and this moment is sacred to these guys, which these kids have no idea what's happening right now. They think they're in line for something. Like, all right, is this, a, is this a ride, or do I get to eat that juice and bread at the front? Like, they have no idea what's happening. But it's so significant for them. And so um, before I ask the church to get up and to simply uh, kind of gather as, as close as you can to the middle, don't do that just yet. Uh, and if you can't reach them, if you would just extend your hands in a moment to pray for them, again, that's just a practical way. It's not like the, the, the force in Star Wars. However, however, it is signifying that you are praying for them. And God sees that. God hears that. God knows your heart. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure what to pray or how to pray. God's like, sweet, talk to me. Just talk to me. Jesus has given us access to the Father. So as we pray for these families, these individuals, we're asking these families to make a vow, to make a commitment as they're standing here today to say, you know what? I'm going to raise my child in the ways of Christ. That's all child dedication is. And I don't mean to like belittle that because it's so significant. But these guys, these families are standing here to say, we are going to do everything that we absolutely can to clear the way, to clear the path for my child to experience the love of the Father, what Jesus did and the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Um, I've asked, um, we've asked uh, a member of our leadership to actually come stand with each one of these families. So if, you've, if you're a part of our leadership, you've been asked uh, to pair up with one of these families, would you just do that at this moment? And then you families in the middle, at the center of all of this, I want you to, to look at me for a moment. Um, you families, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and I'm already kind of realizing in this very second, we need a bigger room, by the way. Um, praise the Lord. Um, parents in the middle here, uh, it, it is absolutely your primary responsi responsibility to train your child in the freedom of Christ, in the ways of the Lord. Um, and we were trying to put our heads together on what, what could actually best represent or help you or give you a tool for that to happen. And, and we came up with this as a staff. We came up with this idea to give you this, uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, this is not just a kid's Bible. Uh, this has actually been really... Uh, formative in my life, in my family's life. Uh, I have always had a, uh, in the early years of parenting, a, a difficult time, structured Bible time with my children. Um, I want to teach my kids the Bible. I want to pray with them. It was always like a daily struggle, a daily habit. It was hard to get into, right? One of the best tools that helped me and my family get on track with just teaching our kids at whatever age they're at. Um, to teach their kids or to teach your kids the ways of Jesus. This book is incredible. It's actually really good for adults as well, but it's, it's essentially geared towards children of all ages. So parents, we actually have a gift for you. Um, 
received today that has a note inside for your child that's being dedicated today because we love your child, we love your family, and we want you to take this opportunity every day, every day as it talks about in Deuteronomy, to teach your kid the ways of God. This is a simple, simple way to do it, and this is our gift to you guys, and we're so excited about this moment. All right, church, I'm going to ask you to just simply stand, and if you want to, it looks like you're already pretty crowded, but if you want to, if you just see the family in the middle there, if you just want to put your hand on a shoulder, or perhaps a shoulder in front of you, or extend a hand, and I've asked each one of these leadership team members to simply pray for their family uh, in just a second here, and like you to pray as well. Let's just... Literally, let's just hit the throne room, enter the throne room of God uh, for these families, for this child. They would know the love of the that they how how much this church loves them. So just take a moment, you leaders, and just pray through them. And the pastor camera's going to come up and kind of close us out with a prayer over us all. So just take a couple of minutes and pray there for your family. Gracious Heavenly Father, as a gospel community, we gather around these people, Lord. Lord, may our, may our prayers for each other never cease, Lord. 
that, that they are momentary here today, um, but that every day and, and, and in every opportunity that we have, Lord, that we would be uh, lifting up our brothers, our sisters, uh, the children, Lord, young, old, new to conduit, old to conduit, Father, that we be lifting up them to you, Lord, in prayer. Uh, Father, your design for the family is perfect. And that doesn't mean that every family is the same, Lord. And it doesn't mean that every family looks the same, Lord. But we know um, that you have blessed the family. Lord, that you have put, uh, that you have put parents over their children to teach them the ways of the Lord. Father, and that can be so scary, and it can be, um, it can be so difficult, and especially when all other things around us uh, are encouraging, screaming at us, Lord, to raise our kids this way, and to raise our kids this way, and to raise our kids this way. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, for a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit courage on every single one of these parents here today. Lord, that they may have the courage uh, to seek and to run and to pursue Jesus, Lord, with, with a reckless abandon for the sake of their family. Lord, that you would give them a passion that is, that is rooted deeply within their soul for your word. Lord, and that your word may be so deeply entrenched in their lives, Father, that it overflows to their children, Lord. We pray, Lord, that these children here among us this morning, Lord, that they are, they are even now seeds of righteousness, Lord, that will, that will take deep root in this community, Lord, and will produce fruit for generations to come. Lord, um, these children, we pray, Lord, are, are the future leaders of the church, are the future leaders of the city, are the future leaders of their family, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, even now that your spirit may be uh, preparing them for that task, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that um, as a church, as a gospel community, you've given us the opportunity to surround them to encourage them, Lord, to let them know that they are not alone, that we do life together here. Lord, we pray your best. We pray your best for them. Lord, bless them and keep them in spirit, in mind, in heart, and in body. Lord, we trust you. You are their great defender. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you. All right, so good. All right, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, or on your phone, or um, 
on our Conduit Ministries app. Um, Numbers chapter 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers, Old Testament. We're going to park in the Old Testament today. Uh, today is a today is a standalone message. Um, <laughs> a standalone message means it's not part of any other series. So uh, if you don't like it, then uh, you don't have to hear about it more next week or again. All right. We've come through an interesting season at Conduit, and uh, I felt like today, today was a day that we needed to just like wiggle it out a bit. Numbers 13 is where we're going to do it. Uh, there's so much context with this story in Numbers chapter 13 with where we're at right now as a church. There's so much context with where we're at in this story, in the story of Numbers 13, with where you nine families are as parents. There's so much context with where we're at in Numbers 13, where every single one of you people in this room are in that same boat, or in that same situation. And hopefully, today we can make some parallels. Today we can make some connections from where you're at and where God, where God wants to take you. What God and you have shown up today, and you have no idea what that means. You have no idea what God even wants to do with you. Like, it's maybe just a big question mark for you. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's a, um, it's a point of, of, I've never really thought about it. Well, hopefully today, through Numbers chapter 13, you will begin to get a glimpse of what God wants to do in you and through you. Most importantly, through you. Okay, so first of all, I need your help. Uh, as we get started, I need to know. Uh, this is not a retort or a, like I need you to actually answer or shout out um, your answers to this. Have you ever purchased something? Have you, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Yes. Well, that's all you did. Good job, guys. Yes. Have you ever, <laughs> let me finish. Uh, have you ever purchased something that you now own, which is kind of the process of it, that you now regret that you own it? That you, thank you, that you, you, you like, you wanted this thing and then you got this thing and now you're at the spot where you're like, why did I want this thing? Right? So, so not, not, not necessarily that it's buyer's remorse. It, not that it was even a bad decision to buy it, but for whatever reason, your heart has been persuaded, has been convinced, and changed where you don't want this thing anymore. <laughs> Maybe even to the point where you're like, I can't stand this thing anymore. Uh, let, 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 me, let me hear some examples of this. I'll start you out. Uh, maybe one for you is a puppy. <laughs> a puppy. Anybody? <laughs> no? Yes. <laughs> We got a new puppy owner down here, and he's probably like, they're probably like, no, you're good? Okay. Success story. Cell phone. Okay. You're saying you're giving away a cell phone. Okay. Anybody want Pastor Cameron's cell phone? If you take his phone, that means you have to take all of the problems that come with that phone. Uh, 
<laughs> don't think you can handle it. No. Uh, puppy is a good example. Maybe like, I can't wait to get my puppy. It's so cute and cuddly and does all these cute things. And then you get it and you're like weeks or months or hours later. And all of a sudden, like, no joke. Uh, we had a pug when we first got married. Uh, when we lived in Memphis, Tennessee. I love this pug. His name was Sumo. And my wife hated Sumo. Not only did my wife hate Sumo, but uh, Sumo hated my wife. Uh, I think Sumo actually hated Sumo. Nonetheless, uh, we decided to sell Sumo. Um, Yeah, I know. All right, I sold him. It was humane and all that. Okay? Sold Sumo and no joke. Gave it to this family. They paid us for the dog. Got in my car. Heartbroken. Got home. They, they called me in like two hours. Like, bro, I can't do it. I get this. You, you got to take this dog back. So we took the dog back. There's this feeling sometimes like I can't do, do this. I can't. I wanted it, but I don't know. What, what are some other examples? A car. Okay. What else? Computers, <laughs> yeah. Microwave, <laughs> exercise. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Any treadmill owners in the room? Any former treadmill owners? <laughs> that is the best example because it's like, yeah, I'm gonna get this. I'll just get on it every day and run for four hours. Everything will be good. And then you're like. Four days later, you're like, nope, Craigslist. Like, uh, sell this thing, right? It's so good. Yes. You know what I think? You know what I think is the best one? <laughs> I think the best one in all of our culture, which many of us may have no idea what this is about, but you can imagine and go with me on this. Uh, the thing that you buy that maybe perhaps you have the same feeling with is a timeshare. A timeshare. Now, stop. Now, stop. If you have a timeshare in this room, let me know, okay? (laughs) Or Pastor Karen or anybody on staff, that'd be great. No, Uh, if you have a timeshare, we totally get it because we just walked through a bunch of things that like maybe we purchased that were like, I don't know about, and if you have a timeshare and you love your timeshare, then that's, I'm not trying to like change your mind on that. But however, there's there's like a huge business of these companies selling timeshares. Like, not, not like selling you to buy it, but like taking the timeshare off of your hands and putting it in the hands of someone else. There's this idea of like this, this dream. Like, think of it, it's just so dreamy. Like, you're sitting there or you're on vacation uh, and they say, hey, we'll give you 50% off of every excursion or everything you could do on this trip. You just have to sit in this like two hour presentation about this timeshare. And like, every one of y'all is like, I'm adding the numbers on like two hours, 50%. Yeah, let's do it. And all of a sudden, before you know, you got like no money, but yet you're sitting in this thing and they're like, oh, you could own this place here. You can own this place here. It's super dreamy. But then there's something that happens once you own it. Maybe it's not using it, or maybe it's like, uh, it's not as great as you thought it would be, or maybe it's being tied down to that one particular location. Nonetheless, people that own timeshares typically go through this stage of like, nope, I, I don't want this anymore. Think about all these examples. We were persuaded whether through a great salesman or perhaps a genuine desire to take care of a 
an animal or genuine desire to do this, that, or the other. We were persuaded by something. Where while we had it, while we owned it, while we were pursuing it, something changed. And we were persuaded the same way to not want it anymore. Persuasion is powerful. Being convinced of something is so powerful. Like maybe you're here today because you've been persuaded or convinced to be here. Um, There's power in that. There's power in that. And in Numbers 13, we're going to see some guys that both ends of the spectrum tried to persuade some people to do something. In the end, God's plan was a part of that persuasion. Man's plan was also part of that persuasion, but there was this confusion, there was this division, there was this complete disagreement. Part of the crowd wanted to do it, part of the crowd didn't. But in and all, at the root of it all, at the core of it all, is this persuasion. To be persuaded to do something. Look at Numbers 13. The setting is God has laid out a plan for the Israelite people to not just be rescued from bondage, delivered from the Egyptians and being slaves, but bringing them to a place full of milk and honey and beauty and prosperous uh, farming and, 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 and just an absolute promise to not just live, but thrive while they live in the promised land. You see, the Israelites, before they were Israelites, before Israel was essentially established, they they were a people before they were a land. They were a people before they were a land. And God had this genuine, grand, great desire to get them from here to there. Israel is an amazing picture of you, of the body of Christ, of the church. Of the believer. You see, you're you're a <laughs> you were an idea, a dream, a concept before you were a body. You were actually God's idea, God's design, God's purpose, God's plan before you were an, a baby. And even before he formed you in the womb, it says that Jeremiah says that he knew you, he knows you. His plans for you are to prosper. His plans are for you to succeed. His plans for you are so amazing. And he is so persuaded by it that he's willing to clear out the path for this to happen. So for Moses, Moses being the leader of the Israelites, getting them from being released from bondage, the Red Sea has split, They've come through. God has miraculously saved them and delivered them and provided for them and protected them. And here they are, here you are, at the edge of something new, at the edge of something amazing, at the edge of what God wants to do, wants to deliver you from, yes, but what he wants to bring you to and set you free to do, yes. So maybe you're in that same spot today. I feel like, and again, I'm up here talking about the weather. It's still snowing. Like it's this idea of like the darkness still feels looming, but you know, you know it's there. You know it's like I can see it. I can dream it. God, I'm with you. I agree you want to take me there. 
You want to change that? You want to make me new? You want to continually make me new? You want to bring me to that? You want to grow me into that? But here I am. For the Israelites, that there, that place that they were going was the promised land. That promised land was actually already occupied. It was occupied, it was called Canaan, but it was obviously occupied by the Canaanites. They were, they were essentially sitting in their seat. And when they show up, essentially they're at the spot, like, wait a minute, God, I thought that was, I thought that was our place. And there's people already there. And God needed them to go in and conquer the land. God needed them to go and to force God's plan, God's will onto that land and onto those people. Now, there's so much we can unpack in that. Today isn't uh, as much of a history lesson as it is biblical application to what God is going to do, not just in the Israelites, but in his church and ultimately in your heart. But that's the setting. Israel is on the edge of going into fighting for the promised land, the land of Canaan. Verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am, which, by the way, this was more of a military operation than a, a, a pioneer trip. This was more of a, uh, like, secret mission rather than sightseeing. Um, so don't mistake the mood of the text. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, and all of them who were heads of the people of Israel. Okay, just want to quickly do an exercise. Uh, I'm going to pick 12 of you, uh, 12 men, because they were... Not because I don't like you ladies, but it says men, so I'm going to stick with that on this example of the leaders of the tribes of Israel. Uh, the tribes of Israel were broken up into obviously 12, and they each had a leader, and I'm going to read through their names. I'm going to ask every man that I touch on the shoulder and say your name, um, the name from the text. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to ask you to do backflips or sing or anything like that. I just simply need 12 people up here. So when I touch you on the shoulder, if you would just come up and literally stand here or here or here or here and just line up 12 of you, okay, as we read. So pay attention to the story, not pay attention to the guys, all right? Are you ready? Are you with me? Are you here? Is this thing on? Okay. Okay. And these were their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zachar. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, <laughs> Shaphat, <laughs> the son of Hori. Um, would you volunteer, buddy? Uh, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Igel, the son of Joseph. You're Igel. Um, these are awesome names and really hard to pronounce, by the way. Um, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hashua. Would you be Hashua? Otherwise known as Joshua. I lost my place. Hold on. 
the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin. Palti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun. You knew I was coming for you. Gadiel, or Gadiel, the son from the tribe of Manasseh. Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan. Amiel, the son of Gamala, Gamali, from the tribe of Asher. Suther, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali. Nafi, <laughs> yes, the son of Vopsi, from the tribe of Gad. And Joel, Guel, the son of Maki. These were the names, I didn't touch you, but I couldn't reach you. Could you come? These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hashua, Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua. Moses sent them, there's 12 up here, right? One, two, three, I did get everybody? Okay. Numbers, they're, they're hard. Um, Moses called Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua. Moses sent them out. They sent, Moses sent these guys out from all their names. I'm not reading but you need to know that these names are important. They're a representation of each tribe of Israel. And again, we won't walk into why there was different tribes or the significance of those tribes, but you need to know that these guys traveling in the wilderness, looking for a place looking for a place to prosper, looking to go to the place that God wanted them to go, that they each had a representative, a leader, someone that would be the tip of the spear that was willing to go and do. And it took guts. It took courage. It took faith. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even though they went, even though they went, <laughs> courage and faith didn't necessarily Go up into the land of Negeb and go up into the hill country and see what the land is, Moses says. Whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell is good, meaning for farming, or bad, or many other reasons, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of men. Be of good courage and bring some fruit from the land. Because now, now is the time of the season of the first ripe grapes. So there is this, you could just feel it. Like, guys, go check it out. Is it good? Is it bad? What do they got there? But then there's this excitement. There's this excitement about these grapes, about what might be there. I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the story, and it essentially goes like this. The 12 spies went. Now who, who did I call out for Joshua? Okay, Joshua and Caleb. Who did I call for Caleb? Do you remember? Was it you? I think it was you, right? Okay, so Joshua and Caleb. There are 12 of you. You guys all went. You checked out the land. You spied it out. You got there safe. 
You got home safe. The Bible says that they came back and it says they stood before the people. They stood before Moses and they stood before the people. And that everybody sat just like you in silence. And it says that they quieted the people and they began to talk about the story or what they saw. In fact, one of them describes it, that they carried back grapes on a pole that two guys carried. So imagine a pole going across with grapes so big. Like this was the place to be. There was no doubt. Every single one of us in the room are seeing the grapes. We're seeing that they all came back safe. It tells us that this place is great. It tells us this place is safe. It tells us like, all right, when do we leave? But then when Moses says, guys, what was the land like? Everybody did one of these. For Caleb and Joshua. So Caleb and Joshua, would you do this? And everyone else, would you do this? Make it clear right there. Do you see this? Should we go? I mean, imagine where the place they're at is in the desert. Like, we got to get out of here. There's nothing here. And like many of us started to see, one, two, three, four, ten. Ten of you say it's bad? Oh, man, guys, we should go back to Egypt. Let's go back to the place where we were. At least there, I mean, we had a job and we had food sometimes. Like, let's go back into bondage. And Moses stood, are you guys arms tired yet? (laughs) You guys stood, or he stood before the people and he challenged them about ultimately the big picture of where they're going. Because I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times I feel like the 10. In fact, the 10 started to talk about how big the people that lived there and that battle that we would have with them, it can't happen. They're too big. They're too strong. One even describes it as we are like grasshoppers to them. Joshua and Caleb, if you could just take one step forward and that thumbs up again, that means everything. That, that report persuaded Moses. It didn't persuade the people, but it persuaded Moses. You guys can sit down. Would you guys give these, these, these men a hand? Thank you. You know how the story goes. The land was conquered. Eventually, it actually took, side note, like asterisk at the bottom of the story. It took him years to conquer that land. Here's the thing. God sees the bigger picture. God sees the ultimate plan. Here's the thing for today. If you hear nothing I say, hear this. You can stop God's people, but you cannot stop God's sovereign plan. You can stop God's people. You can kill them. You can knock them down. You can lock them up. You can put them back in bondage. You can do all these things to them, but you cannot. You will not. No one will not stop God's sovereign plan. 
And his plan is beautiful. His plan is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than anything else that we are walking through. It's bigger than any circumstance. It's bigger than any mood. It's bigger than any family situation. It's bigger than any difficulty that you face. It's even bigger than your actual life on this earth. It's something better and greater. For 40 years, they still wandered, still tried to get to the land. In fact, the guy that was leading, the guy that was like, all right, we will go. We will go with courage and strength and the power of the Lord. Even he didn't make it. Even he didn't lead him across the finish line. In fact, God chose one of those leaders that had the, the courage. Yeshua, Joshua, chose him to lead them into the promised land. Why? Because not only was he willing to say, hey, I know it's difficult, but we can do it. Not only because he was willing to say it, because he was willing to lead it. It came up to these two guys, Joshua and Caleb, when everybody else saw the circumstance and everybody else read the room, they stood in a gap and they persuaded, eventually persuaded everyone that we must go. We must go. You can stop God's people, but you cannot stop God's plan. What is God's plan? What is God's plan? For them, it was to get to the promised land. For you, what is God's plan for you? God does have plans for you. Jeremiah 17.7, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Blessed is a man whose confidence is in the Lord. Like, he's clearing out the path for you to come to him, for you to go to where he wants you to go, for you to do what he wants you to do. Moms, he's clearing the path. Dads, he's clearing the path. Grandmas and grandpas, children, men, women, single, married, divorced, wherever you're at, God's clearing the path. He's getting it all out of the way so you will simply go and obey and do, but your confidence has to be in him, not yourself. It's not in your ability. It's not those 12 guys didn't come back and be like, we're so tough, we're so strong, we can do this. Ultimately, it was God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that my God cannot do. Jeremiah 17:7. What did I just say? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. It's not in yourself. It's not about self-confidence. Um, when I was studying uh, to get a master's in biblical counseling, the biggest thing that they divided with counseling and biblical counseling, and there's nothing wrong, per se, with counseling. I'm not trying to make negative of that at all. But the goal, <laughs> the goal of biblical counseling was to bring honor to the Lord through our life. That ultimately is about him and him through us and him rescuing us and help, helping us fly and flourish. But the goal of counseling was to build self-confidence, to build, fix, correct, heal self-esteem. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself. There's nothing wrong about self-esteem. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he didn't make us to feel awesome. He made us to, be, to live in reality that he is awesome and that through us, all things are possible. We get to experience this. At the end of the day, guys, forever and ever in heaven, we're not going to stand there and be like, 
Praise and honor to you, God, for getting me through life. I'm so amazing. Yes, I made it. I'm so strong. That It won't even be that for five seconds. When we zoom out, the 40-year perspective, when we get 30,000 feet above the ground, we're going to see that the two thumbs up from the two guys that said, we can do this, that's faith. We're going to see that that wasn't about us. It wasn't about the people in my family necessarily. It was about God. Because you can stop me, and you can stop you, and you can stop everybody around you. The devil can stop me. He can stop you. He can stop all of us around us. In some way, he can discourage us. He can disqualify us. He can discredit our testimony. He can discredit everything we have. But God's plan will not be stopped. God's sovereign will will not be stopped for this church, for your life, for your heart, for your salvation. (laughs) The price has been paid for your sin. And all the enemy has is to point out where you fall short. When ultimately, the truth is, that the, like the ground level truth, is that this isn't about us in the first place. So if we could just get out of the way, if we could just get out of the way, we could dodge Satan's darts. And we could get in a place to serve and to go and to climb and to run and just to do what God's asked us to do. Um, just briefly... Um, before I close, I, I want to point out something um, on the screen here in just a second. Uh, we're, we're, I want to announce our next teaching series. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to start April 22nd, so in two weeks. And it's an eight-week series claiming God's power and his name over every relationship in our life. I think it's time for us as a church, it's time for us as people, as followers of Jesus, to not just like dodge the darts, but to like go after the land. To go after the land. And to be able to do that, we have to take a stand. We have to have confidence in him, not us. And so the name of that series um, is Not Today, Satan. Not Today, Satan. An eight-week series, walking through this idea of, of like saying, not, not today. Here's the weeks. Not my home, not my marriage, not my kids, not my mom, because it's on Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> not my friends. And as we walk through all of these different angles of the relationships that we have in our life, whether you're single, you're married, or divorced, whatever you're at, this applies to you, that claiming victory in the name of Jesus is over the enemy. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. For these Israelites in that moment, even though 10 of them were convinced that we cannot do this, not today, Satan. It ain't happening. God's got something for me to do. He's got a place for us to go. You can stop God's people, but you cannot stop God's plan. So you may be here today and uh, you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't, know what the, what, what I don't really what you're saying to me. If you know what I'm saying to you and you know that that thing in your life, <laughs> you need to literally say, not today, Satan. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. Or maybe it's like something he's asking you to do. Or maybe it's
relational difficulty that you're trying to get, get over or get through, or maybe it's a, it's a physical thing that you're dealing with and you need to call on the healing in the name of Jesus. Maybe for you today, it's a parenting difficulty. Like if you're a parent, that is difficult, like automatically. It's something in that moment. And you can't, and please don't say not, to, not today, Satan, to your children. That's like a metaphorical <laughs> uh, thing, okay? <laughs> you did not get permission for me to say that to your children. They're not the enemy. Maybe for you today, it's just, it's just like, put a stake in the ground. I'm going forward. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will overcome me. Nothing will hold me back. Nothing's going to discourage me, and even if it does discourage me, and everybody around me has got thumbs down, I will get that thumb up. I will trust in the Lord and the power of his might. I will put on the whole armor of God so that I can fight the schemes, the nasty schemes and plans of the devil. Because you can stop God's people, but you cannot stop God's sovereign plan. My question to you, are you in his plan? He's invited you. It's free to come. The price, the ticket price has been paid he is risen. You're alive. you got everything you need. And here we are, our homes. Here we are as a church. Here we are as a city. Are we ready? Are we ready to go? Are we ready to step forward? Are we ready to do what he's called us to do? Will you be thumbs up or will you be thumbs down? This is awkward. All right, would you stand? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close in a song. And then after the song, we want to take a few minutes to walk through two things with you. Today's kind of a full day. Uh, we want to walk through uh, open house fair as you leave today. But we're not leaving yet, okay? Because after this song, uh, Pastor Kate up here. And we're going to take about five uh, or so minutes to talk about our Honduras missions trip next week, um, a pioneer trip. Essentially, not 12 of us, but there's four of us that are going to spy out the land in Honduras. And we've been leaning in, we've been praying towards what that looks like for our church to go later in the year. About 25 of you, hopefully, that will lean into what, God, what are you doing there in Honduras? And what does Conduit have to do with it? Like, ears to the ground as we go and we spy out the land this week. So uh, after this song, we're going to have um, Pastor Cameron come up and talk about that for a few moments. And then after that, we'll dismiss to do our open house fair. But just hang tight as I pray. We celebrate that it is finished, that it is well, and that God can do this through us.